Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands. Cause I can't do this all my own. But it wasn't Jesus taking the wheel. It was Trump. According to Blockbuster Testimony, I'm sorry, I can't stay in character. Uh, We are joined to discuss the January 6th hearing testimony that people are either aghast about, talking about nothing but, or ignoring completely. The uh, Cassidy Hutchinson before the January 6th committee uh, yesterday talking about all sorts of stuff. And Jack, the co-host of the program, joins us from beautiful Arizona. Hello, Jack. How are you? Uh, Before we get to that, um, I was just looking at uh, some financial housing numbers that came up. Uh, mm-hmm. April to April, April last year to April this year, 20% rise in average home price. 20% yep. April to April. Just mention that. Yeah, unbelievable, but I suspect yeah. it's about to cool off, huh? Well, it, but it's got to crash. It can't just cool off. It's got to crash. Or oh, many hush places now. In hush. The country, <laughs> or many places in the country are unaffordable. You just can't live there, including the people who already live there. It, I don't know what's going to happen. And and as I'm traveling on the road, every single place I go is shorthanded. So you got crazy expensive homes, businesses that can't hire anybody, the lowest unemployment, the highest national debt. There's just too many weird things going on. I have no idea where this is headed. Oh, I, I know. You're absolutely right. I saw the figure for uh, the town where my kids grew up and went to high school in. Uh, that Judy and I don't live in anymore, but um, the the median home price, I gasped. I couldn't yeah. believe it. And nobody can afford to live there. You're a hedge right. fund guy, maybe you can. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Anywho, that was fun for about six hours yesterday, wasn't it? When we thought Trump had grabbed the steering wheel of the limo. That was fun for, what was that, like five, six hours before 
you know, the people came forward and said, yeah, I'm going to testify under oath that that didn't happen and I was there. So anyway. Yeah, yeah, they they haven't yet, but uh, sources close to sources say their sources say that the uh, the people involved are willing to testify under oath that, no, that didn't happen. You know, one emailer brought up the idea, and I don't know what to think of it, honestly, but that if they were, if Secret Service guys were to routinely testify as to what happened behind the scenes with the president and the president's family, and that the president and the family knew at all times that if somebody lost their temper or said an unkind word or threw a plate against the wall or whatever, the Secret Service would come out and tell everybody about it. That would be really, really damaging to the trust. So I don't know what those ethics are. I mean, they can't lie under oath, obviously. Um, well, but I wonder I, uh, if they f- I, drag I, feet like crazy. Well, I have a source in the Secret Service who said it is very strict what happens in the limo stays in the limo for the reasons you just said. Mm-hmm. You, there, you know, nobody could operate as a politician if you knew, you know, any possible uh, wiggle in, in normalcy ends up in the newspaper the next day. It, you just couldn't function. And right. uh, so they, they keep lots of things to themselves. Anyway, um, well, well, hang on now, because I'm neither a Trump loyalist nor a never Trumper. Um, So I could see and understand if those guys, no matter what happened or didn't happen or what was testified to, are going to say nothing happened. We just rode along. Nothing happened. I didn't see anything. Nobody said anything. Uh, And and it's defensible. Ah, oh, I see what I see what you're saying. That they would testify that because they they see that as their job. Yes. Even and they see it as that. sacred to protect that yeah. president and the future presidents. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, that make that actually makes sense. But here, so I'm sitting around here when the news broke yesterday with the uh, house, my my mom, dad, brothers, people hanging around, and almost everybody's first uh, thought was, "How would you grab the steering wheel in a limo?" Well, here's so I got some, <laughs> I, uh, you know, when you're in the back, <clears throat> um, so I'm. Uh, I'm emailing around with some people that I know people like know the guy that was in charge of security that day, like pretty close sources. Um, And they're talking about, uh, first of all, the fact that she used the term the beast is odd because the beast only refers to what they call the parade limo, which is the thing you see in the parade that looks like a regular limousine that is bulletproof, blah, blah, blah. What they were using that day was what they call camp limos, which is just basically big SUVs, also bulletproof and everything like that. But they're different mm-hmm. things. So to refer to a camp limo as the beast is just odd to start with. Either she was jazzing it up for some reason or misinformed or, you know, something. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing the whole uh, she's uh, clearly a liar thing because I don't know. But that was an odd thing to say, given the fact that it wasn't the vehicle that's referred to the beast. But in the beast, it would be literally impossible for anybody sitting in the back to grab the steering wheel. And in one of the camp uh, limos, the big SUV, it would be damn near impossible to grab the steering wheel. So just physically, no matter what your intentions, it would be, it's just hard. You can't imagine, he couldn't imagine who's been in these limos. Couldn't imagine any scenario where you'd be able to do that. Can you figure out how that would come down? Well, no, because that struck me too. Um, the whole limo thing just is gossipy-licious. You know, if you could prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that Trump really, really wanted to go to the Capitol and the Secret Service really, really didn't want him to go, I mean, who cares? I just that's not the significant part of it to me. Um, it's it's the stuff about the weapons and and magnometers and okay. the rest of it that could be significant. Right. But back to the limo thing, the one part that really amused me is that 
and he showed me what the president did, and he 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 went for his clavicles. Because people are always attacking each other's clavicles, you know? Oh, he put his hands around my clavicles and tried to squeeze me or something. Well, if <laughs> I was going that? to grab your clavicles, I'd have to think for a few minutes to remember what a clavicle is. So well, it just shows you should have paid attention to anatomy. But anyway, I thought that I was just kind of funny. I don't want to accidentally grab a femur or a patella when I thought that was a clavicle. Certainly uh, not. I don't remember. Um, uh, so the other part of it is, you know, you got the whole thing in, in trials where... If you get caught lying, lying on one aspect of the story, you know, a lot of the rest of your story is pretty suspect at that point. Um, so if the whole, okay, so there was no grabbing of the steering wheel, then, then how do I know the other part's true? I, again, with the same caveat that you o- opened with, with the you're neither a Trump loyalist or uh, uh, never Trumper, um, I think Trump is capable of practically anything. I just... You know, find it hard to believe that that happened that day, the grabbing the steering wheel. But if you if you if you're going to go up there and testify to that exciting detail, and that turns out to be bunk, how much credibility does the other stuff have? Yeah, that well, that's a good question. That's the question people will be asking themselves. I I don't think what happened in the limo is answerable. I don't think we'll ever know, and maybe for good reason, as we've been discussing. Um, there seem to be, if, if this woman is telling the truth, um, and, and the, the whole part of the limo thing that bothered me, I was literally yelling at my radio was, it was all secondhand. It was something somebody told her happened. Well, the guys that it happened to live and work in Washington, DC. Why don't you give them a jingle and see if they'll come down? So I found that part just kind of, you're wasting my time with this because it's unknowable whether it's true, but the whole part of, I don't care if they're armed. I know they're armed. They're not going to hurt me. Tr- stuff that Trump allegedly said. There were multiple people who would have witnessed that and are going to be called to testify. And if then he sent them to the Capitol, uh, telling them to fight like hell or we're going to lose the country, and Mike Pence is a coward, and they all, knowing they're an armed mob, that's the only part of what we heard yesterday that I thought, has real significance, whether legally speaking, and again, charging Trump, I think, is still a wild long shot um, for a bunch of different reasons, but fully impugning his uh, his future. I mean, just convincing more and more people that the guy's just too dangerous. I, I love his policies. I'm so glad he got the judges in. Look, what the, look at the wonderful things that has accomplished, but the guy's just too dangerous. Um, I think that could have significance on that score. Um, is throwing a plate of uh, spaghetti sauce against the wall a high crime or a mis- high crime or a misdemeanor? I don't know. Probably. Well, not. It was said to be ketchup. Whatever to- tomato-based condiment it was, and I hate it when we argue. It's certainly bad manners, unless you're going to clean it up yourself. But uh, I, again, I don't think that's terribly relevant. So I got into kind of this sort of conversation with somebody the other day who's a little bit younger, and I got into the whole aspect of like I've always thought it was a good idea that. Uh, President Ford pardoned Richard Nixon so that we didn't go through this sort of thing <clears throat> that the nation is focused on for who who knows how long while you got other problems to take care of. You know, just let the guy disappear into the distance, Nixon, and, you know, let's just move on with our country and whatever and not go through all this trial. He said, she said, dividing people, people, you know, whatever. The difference with Trump, though, is Nixon wasn't polling, wasn't, one, able to run again, and two, polling in such a way that he would get the nomination. So that's a different thing with Trump. I mean, he's, he could actually end up president again, 
So, I mean, you know, it's more relevant to, uh, oh, to well, what yeah. actually happened. I think that's unlikely, but it's absolutely possible, sure. Well, it was impossible with Nixon. That, that's why a, a pardon seemed like, who cares? It's one guy. Um, you think he ought to go to jail, whatever. So he's going to go, you know, be isolated somewhere. Sure. But mm-hmm. Trump's in a different position. He could, he, he seriously could get the nomination. No doubt about that. Oh, I'm so, t- see, you brought it up now. So you bring up Trump getting the nomination, which is appropriate given the discussion. I'm tempted to explain what other dynamics might happen uh, to to make that not happen. But then we'd be talking about 2024, and I won't do it. Right. You can't make me. Well, yeah, well, I, yeah, I wasn't wanting to talk about 2024 as much as I understand why we need to figure this stuff out now. We didn't need to figure out with Nixon exactly what happened because he was done. Let's just right. move on. He's in the history books. With well, Trump, and, and we did we essentially figure out, figure out. We did figure out exactly what happened with Nixon, though. Honestly, um, the, the Watergate committee and Woodward and Bernstein and everything got way to the bottom of it. So, although again, it was kind of it was it was moot in terms of his political future, as you're saying. Well, okay, but that gets us to you just brought up the whether or not they can prosecute Trump. It was about do they want to prosecute Nixon? He was pardoned, so let's not have that trial. Do we want to pos- prosecute Trump? I, it's a, probably a long shot, but do we want to go through that whole thing as a country? I, I oh. think the best, I honestly believe the best thing for the country is to have Trump in the rearview mirror and you either have fond memories or not, but it's, that is a part of the history books. It no longer is a thing. How yeah, do I we agree. get to there? How do we yeah. get to that point? I agree. Um, I don't think Trump wants to serve another four years. I don't think he will want to, especially when he's a couple of years older than he is now already and has been living his comfortable, uh, interesting life. Um, and the the field is very different, too. And, and y'all, some of you agree, some of you don't, and I don't really care, but uh, Ron DeSantis has the authenticity of Scott Walker the brilliance of Ted Cruz, uh, you know, the, 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 the governing chops of, I don't know, name somebody else, Ronald Reagan, really. Um, he's a formidable guy. So I think it would be a different deal. Um, even if Trump did go for the nomination, especially as more time passes. And uh, DeSantis has actually beaten Trump in a handful of polls, although, you know, those polls take him with a grain of salt. They go up, they go down. But so, well, yeah, I'm, in one of the Trumpiest, I'm in one of the Trumpiest parts of the country right now uh, where I'm in Arizona. And uh, the big Trump store is still there. It looks to me like they've expanded it. The parking lot was full. I see Trump billboards and signs all over the place. So at least in this part of the country, he's still very hot. Yeah, yeah. Well, we need to take a break. We're up against it. Uh, but are you going to hang around for a minute, or are you good? You're done. I'll do whatever I'm told to do. All right, fantastic. I like that attitude. All right, stay with us. More to come. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The policies that were working, why why would they cancel those policies? That's the question that needs to be asked when they were effective. And now, because of the fact that they completely canceled all the policies, took away all the tools from the U.S. Border Patrol, the enforcement action from ICE, now we're seeing the Mexican cartels, the smuggling organizations that are exploiting that and using that to their advantage by encouraging these immigrants to make this long, treacherous journey. 
You know, I think the answer to that question posed by Department of Public Safety Lieutenant uh, Chris Oliveras about the tragedy in the limo, uh, not the limo, the uh, the semi-trailer there, where <clears throat> dozens and dozens of would-be migrants were killed by the heat. Why would you change policies that work? Because eh, you perceive it's a good way to get elected. Never forget, politicians' number one uh, job is to get power. Number two is to keep power. Number three, if they get around to it, is to serve your needs. But they rarely get around to it. Uh, Jack joins us for a shortish segment uh, from beautiful Arizona. Hello again. Yeah, I didn't look into that story much while I'm on vacation when I hear that nearly 50 people died a horrific death like that. But, you know, we've 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 got a policy. I mean, a policy the world perceives, which is the real policy, is that if you kind of sneak across, you get to stay forever and uh, they have a pretty big safety net. So, yeah, you would you would you would be, do some risky things to get into this country. And uh, that's why it'd be nice if we had a policy of. Here's the way you got to do it. There's paperwork involved. There's going to be a legal, uh, rigorous, uh, you know, uh, system for it, and that's the only way it works. So there'd be no point in trying to do something risky. Well, it was so pathetic to hear KJP saying yesterday we have a closed border. Meanwhile, thousands of people just physically get across the border. They line up, they fill out some paperwork, and we turn them loose into the interior of the country day after day after day. I mean, it's it's the emperor's new clothes times 10. Um, it's incredibly cynical, but as always, I wonder how sincere are the, uh, the Republicans in Congress, in the Senate, about staunching a flow of labor into the country. Oh, I gotta believe the big business is saying, "Cool it, cool it, cool it." They need workers so bad. Yeah, yeah, and so you know they fundraise on it on both sides. They say pathetic things like the border is closed on both sides, and then you know, decade after decade, the situation continues. So I don't know. Uh, so I don't want to be discouraged. I'm on vacation. I'm on vacation with my children, and we're about to go to the go kart track. So that's our plan for the day, and I will not think about the horrors of the world for at least a little while. No, no, just just beat them. That's your only duty at this point is to best them on the track. Yeah, you get into you kind of low powered go karts. Weight weight becomes a big thing, and I outweigh them by a lot. So it's one of the problems. Well, that's all the more uh, reason to drive aggressively. I tell you True. what, when the head lion gets unseated, it ain't pretty. All right, it's ugly. True. If I'm if they realize I'm willing to put them into the wall, maybe then uh, you know that's my advantage. Now you're talking. I'm crazier than you are. Trust me on this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Go have a good time. Good to talk to you. All right. Yep. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. I uh, want to get to this absolutely great piece I read. Um, very fair, too, by Stephen Moore, who's with the Heritage Foundation, uh, about following the climate change money. And he talks about the... <laughs> oh, Lord, I can't even dream of having one one millionth of the amount of money that's washing around in the name of climate change. Really interesting. Plus, we're going to talk to the fabulous Steve Hilton from The Next Revolution on Fox News. Next, if you missed that, grab the podcast later. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why GameBridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity, and it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. GameBridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tuning in today, I'm sure we've offended everybody as usual, but uh, I don't know. That's what we do. Yeah, we calls it like we sees it, and sometimes people get mad. So, uh, any luck in uh, raising Mr. Hilton? We're having just a bit of a challenge getting Steve Hilton on the line. Uh, I hope we can grab him, you know, maybe next segment, because he's a really interesting guy, and I always love to hear his take on things. But um, failing at that, at least for the moment, we can go ahead and, and do the other thing I mentioned, which is talk about Stephen Moore's uh, piece for the Heritage Foundation. He's a distinguished fellow in economics, and his piece is entitled Follow the Climate Change Money. And as a lot of you know already, Jack and I are kind of agnostic on the climate change thing. Uh, the climate seems to be warming. It goes up. It goes down. Uh, is it warming more rapidly than normal? Uh, what should the world do about it? Should we decimate the entire world's economy and let people starve by the tens of millions? Because that would happen if we brought the modern economies to their knees by denying them fossil fuels. I mean, we try to take a look at the whole thing and be fair and, and honest with you about it. So, having said that, Mr. Moore uh, informs us, uh, the first iron rule of American politics is follow the money. This explains, though, about 80% of what goes on in Washington. And shortly after the latest Chicken Little Climate Change Report was published last month, I noted on CNN that one reason so many hundreds of scientists are persuaded the sky is falling is that they are paid handsomely to do so. I'll tell you this, he gets around to uh, 
admitting that, hey, the planet may be warming, but that doesn't mean you should blind yourself to the dynamics behind the scenes, which I think is a great point. Uh, He says, I noted that in America and around the globe, governments have created a multi-billion dollar climate change industrial complex, and a lot of people are getting really, really rich off the climate change industry. According to a recent report by the U.S. Government Accountability Office, the GAO, well-respected, quote, federal funding for climate change research, technology, international assistance, and adaptation has increased from $2.4 billion in 1993 to $11.6 billion in 2014, with an additional $26.1 billion for climate change programs and activities provided by the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act in 2009. So, We have tens of billions of dollars every year being spent on this stuff in all sorts of ways. And he says, look, this doesn't mean the planet isn't warming, but the tidal wave of funding reveals a powerful financial motive for scientists to conclude that the apocalypse is upon us. No one hires a fireman if there are no fires. No one hires a climate scientist, and there are thousands of them now. No one hires them if there's no catastrophic change in the weather. Why doesn't anyone in the media ever mention this? What a great point! And so simple. I'm a climate scientist, and I'm going to stake my career on, there's really no need to listen to climate scientists. It'll all work itself out. Nobody's going to do that, right? No. He says, when I lifted this hood and cited more hate mail than from anything I've said on TV or written, could it be that this rhetorical missile hit way too close to home? How dare I impugn the integrity of scientists and left-wing think tanks by suggesting that their research findings are perverted by hundreds of billions of dollars of taxpayer handouts. I tell you what, uh, departing from what he said, if their, their, their findings weren't perverted by the hundreds of billions of dollars, they would be perhaps the greatest paragons of decency and, and honor in the history of mankind. The irony of the indignation that he got, he says, is that any academic whose research dares question the settled science of the climate change complex is instantly accused of being a shill for the oil and gas industry or a slave of the Koch brothers, right? So apparently, if you take money from the private sector to fund research, your work is inherently biased. But if you get multi-million dollar grants from Uncle Sam, you're just as pure as the freshly fallen snow. Then he throws around a few figures worth knowing. Forbes magazine went through the federal budget, estimated about $150 billion on spending on climate change and green energy subsidies rather during President Obama's first term. That didn't include the tax subsidies that provide a 30% tax credit for wind and solar power. So add to those numbers about 8 to $10 billion a year. I mean, it's he goes through it exhaustively and somewhat exhaustingly. But then he points out, To give you a sense of how money-hungry the planet saviors are, the CPI moaned that this spending falls far short of what's needed, a number estimated at $5 trillion. That's the Climate Policy Initiative. We need $5 trillion. For $5 trillion, we could feed everyone on the planet, end malaria, and provide clean water and reliable electricity to every remote village in Africa. We would probably have enough money left over to find a cure for cancer and Alzheimer's. The entire Apollo project, adjusted for inflation, costs less than $200 billion. We're spending twice that much every year on climate change. It's a good piece. We'll post it for you at armstrongandgetty.com. You might want to read it centered around. I'm told Mr. Hilton is available. Why don't we take a quick break and come back with Steve Hilton to discuss the news of the day. Sure to be worth your time. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why GameBridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. GameBridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Thanks for being here. So much to talk about today, as usual. And uh, what a pleasure to talk about these things with Steve Hilton, the host of the podcast, California Rebel Base, as well as his Fox News show, The Next Revolution with Steve Hilton, a fascinating guy. Steve, how are you, sir? I'm great. I don't know about fascinating. You've really set me up here. We'll see what I can do. But it's always great to be with you. That does set a hell of a high bar, doesn't it? Exactly. I apologize. I don't for know. Well, and as I think about it, I'm sure our spouses, siblings, etc. If, if if I were to ask them about you, they probably wouldn't say fascinating. I know my wife wouldn't. <laughs> exactly. They say irritating, impossible, <laughs> unbearable. You know all those things. But you know we can make that work on the radio too. Sure, sure. Yeah, let's see if we can pull the wool over their eyes. So I want to start briefly with a clip from the district attorney of Los Angeles, the infamous George Gascon, and then I want to talk to you about uh, crime policing in the blue cities of America. Go ahead, Michael. Uh, roll 15, would you? To create a safer community, absolutely we have to hold people accountable, and we are doing that, but we have to understand that we cannot do business that we've always had and think that we're going to get any safer because the reality is that the problem that we have today is the results of many of the bad policies that over-criminalize communities without really looking for a path in order to create the reduction of crime, the prevention of crime, and putting communities in a better place. 
putting aside the fact that he sounds like Kermit the Frog if Kermit had been born in Transylvania, uh, Steve, your reaction to that uh, series of statements? Well, look, this is such an important issue to understand and get right. Um, And we need to really understand the history of all this and why we are here. Because there are some parts of this that actually do make sense, but they've taken it to the totally ludicrous extreme. And that's why we're in the mess we are here in California and in other parts of the country where this agenda has been pushed forward. This agenda that, I, you know, those of us who observe it, just looking at the facts, could call a pro-crime, pro-criminal agenda, given the outcomes that we're seeing. It all goes back, I think, the recent incarnation of this to 2014 with what happened in Ferguson. And I don't want to get into the details of all of that um, because there obviously uh, there's a there's a lot of there's a whole conversation we could have about that. However, what that prompted, what the Ferguson um, uh, shooting and the riots afterwards prompted, was what what you now see is that what they describe as the criminal justice reform movement. And a huge focus from many, many wealthy donors, led, of course, by George Soros, but many others, too, um, including, for example, Google co-founder Sergey Brin is another one that's not discussed as much. Many, many others as well. A lot of them from the tech community, wealthy liberal donors joining in this movement to elect what they call progressive district attorneys. It was a huge focus of their of, 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 of campaigning. Uh, George Gascon is obviously one of them. Chase Boudin in San Francisco, who was just recalled, and others around the country. Um, but they are supported by a network of well-funded activist groups, think tanks, and so on, with with a couple of specific points that they constantly make, which is one, as you heard George Gascon there say, there's the, they, what they call the over-policing of, of certain communities. When they talk about that, they're talking particularly about poorer neighborhoods with more um, black populations, Latino populations in California and so on. They say that's over-policing. And so one part of this agenda is to remove any penalties for what we might refer to in the kind of history of all this as the kind of broken windows category of crime. So small offenses that contribute to what some of us on the other side of the argument would say order on the streets. So things like vandalism or littering or whatever, these things that they would consider to be over-policing that actually we saw when it was enforced in New York makes a huge difference to, to more serious crime if you, if you actually enforce the lower level crime. So that's the first point over-policing. The second is over-incarceration. And they say that actually, as a result of things like California's three strikes and your outlaw, um, you have a hugely elevated number of people in jail who shouldn't be in jail because their crimes were not violent, they shouldn't be there, and actually by putting them in jail and keeping them in jail for too long, you're actually making the problem of crime worse because they lose touch with their communities, their families, they lose any education or training or uh, time in the job market. And so when they come out of jail, they are actually trained to be even worse criminals. That's the theory. And again, they make the point that that applies more to uh, black, young black men in particular than anyone else, disproportionately. But again, there's some truth to that. And it is true that you, you need to have better opportunities for people, better education, training. Don't get into crime in the first place. And sending people to jail for 
uh, non-violent crimes can often make them worse. That's all true. But what we're seeing now is a total extremist interpretation of that. So the people in Los Angeles, to go back to George Ascone, who are now being uh, not pursued and not prosecuted and their sentences reduced, and in fact previous sentences reduced in length, so that they're out on the streets quicker. These are murderers. These are people who've committed the most severe and serious violent crimes. So they're, they're taking what actually could be considered a reasonable idea that a lot of people could get behind in the fight against uh, crime to make our streets and communities safer and sending it all the way to the extreme with the consequences we're seeing right now up, up, up and down California and across the country. That's why people have had enough of it because they can see that this crazy extremist far left ideology has totally failed. Well, and that's the story of extremists through history. They will latch onto a legitimate issue or complaint. And I appreciate you making that point uh, because it's easy to come off as a a smug white suburbanite or something when you're talking about uh, crime and punishment. And any lover of liberty should constantly be re-examining the relationship between the government and the people, specifically in terms of whether they should be denied their, their liberty. So I think that's absolutely great. And and the police have made mistakes. The relationships sometimes in the community between the people and the police have deteriorated to a bad place and should constantly be reassessed and, and improved yes. if possible. Yes. Um, it, but the, the track tragic part of this is that since, and, and we talked to uh, Jonathan Hatami, who was with the district attorney's office yesterday, he's a heroic yeah. guy trying to get Gascon booted out, um, spends his day investigating child abuse, and if you can imagine how heavy a job that is. Uh, but he pointed out that so many of the people who are the victims of these radical policies are the people in the very neighborhoods that of George Gascon right. is, exactly. is claiming he's going to turn into a, you know, a, a Valhalla. That's exactly right. They are the biggest victims of this. The people who live in the neighborhoods who are who, with the highest crime, and it happens on a daily basis, and that's why I'm going to bring in the point, you know, the first of the two points, which is what, what you know, some people dismiss as our low-level crime, you know, and, and, and shoplifting and all the rest of it. No, that actually affects the quality of life in a neighborhood to a severe degree. If you feel you're, you know, your parent, you walk down the street and people are, are just behaving in ways that, are, that, f- that feel menacing and threatening, running out of shops and stealing you know, things from the grocery store or the, or the pharmacy where you get your daily stuff, that's frightening to people. That ruins their quality of life. And it particularly is happening in poorer neighborhoods, the exact neighborhoods that these people claim to represent and speak for. But, of course, they're making life much, much worse in those neighborhoods. And so you can't just say, oh, we're going to ignore these, these lower-level crimes and focus on the city. No, because actually it all goes together, because what we want to see is orderly, safe communities where people can go about their business and their daily lives feeling happy and free and not worrying the whole time that something terrible is going to happen. And that is like a basic requirement that we should have of our government. And these people in these cities are just throwing that away. Steve Hilton is the host of the podcast California Rebel Base. His show on Fox News is The Next Revolution with Steve Hilton. So, Steve, I realize this varies from place to place, uh, and, and we love around here the laboratories of democracy that our states and cities and counties are, and, and don't think the federal, uh, the federal government's way too involved in everything. Having said that, exactly. where is the pendulum in terms of crime and punishment and, and policing? Have we swung as far left as we're going to, and, and are people waking up to the discredited progressive policies, or do you think the Portlands of the world, for instance, still have further to go? 
I think that I'm, I'm sadly, I think that, that they have further to go because the people who are really not learning the lesson and not taking any account of reality are the people in charge. Um, so, for example, our Chaser Boudin kicked out just the other week in San Francisco in the recall election, now talking about running again on exactly the same platform, um, blaming his defeat not on the consequences of his policies, but on, you know, the usual kind of rich donors who are kind of rigged the election, whatever. Um, George Gascon, last week when we had more, I mean, I'm sure you talked to Jonathan about this, um, more evidence, you know, severe, you know more pe- people dying as a result of his specific policies in terms of reducing sentencing and so on and letting people right. out. Not at all embarrassed by that, doubling down on his strategy. There's going to be no change, he says. So the point is that they are ideologues. They are ideologues. They do not bend or change their positions in a sense like normal politicians who can see, well, that's not working. I want to get reelected. Better make some changes. They're not like that. They're total ideologues. The only way to deal with them is to kick them out. That's why these recalls are actually very important. California has that mechanism. Not, not all states or communities do have that. Um, the other point, so in the end, you, you have to kick them out. You have to defeat them. And that's very hard because in a lot of these places, you have very, very large Democrat majorities. And whittling that away is often going to take time. And, of course, this is not the only issue. It's the big and dominant issue in a lot of places. In Seattle, you had an interesting election there. I can't remember the exact position. One of the, I think it was the, um, in, in, in the city of Seattle, someone elected to fight back against this madness. You know, so it is a Democrat, you know, more moderate Democrat. So, you know, this, it is happening. But I don't think it's going to happen quickly. And, of course, uh, the trouble is, you, you know, you need to get organized. And, and I think that... Too many people actually don't realize that there are lots of mechanisms, lots of ways to get involved and make a change. I'll give you one example. In California, the the state attorney general, I totally agree with you, by the way, about the decentralization of power. That's one of the reasons I love America, so proud to be an American now. I made this point on Sunday in my Fox show in my opening remarks relating to the, to the abortion decision is that, you know, the whole point of America, the idea at the heart of America is decentralized power, that no one should be overmighty. And so I, you know, I, my philosophy is we should put power, you know, in the hands of the people wherever possible. That's why I'm for school choice directly, parents having a choice there. Where that's not practical, then the lowest practical level of government, local government, cities, counties, and so on, then the state, and then at the, as a last resort, the federal government. But actually, if you look at some states and, and the constitutional arrangements there, for example, in California, the state attorney general has the ability to dive in and look at any case that's gone wrong in any county and actually call it in and review it and overturn it. That's a really important check on some of these, um, uh, these far-left extremist DAs around California. And so, for example, that statewide race, which is on the ballot in November that for its state attorney general, people don't really pay much attention to a race like that normally. It's actually really important. And get involved. And actually, that's the sort of place where you might be able to see some upsets. There's a fantastic Republican um, who's emerged as the winner out of the primary, um, very qualified, very sensible, you know, Nate, Nathan Hockman. You know, if he... If if he was the and state Steve, attorney general, you'd see a big change in California. Steve, I apologize. We're up against a hard break. But uh, if not fascinating, you're extremely interesting. It's always great to talk. And I agree with you completely. Those down ticket races, learn about them, show up, vote. Steve Hilton, uh, always enjoy it. Thanks, Steve. Great to be with you. Thank you. You got it. Uh, yeah, uh, local DAs, uh, state attorneys general, your school board, take 20 minutes. Take 20 minutes, figure out who to vote for, and vote on the down-ticket races. More to come if you don't get our four. Grab it later via podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at AvalonWaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated.